Attention MongoDB enthusiasts. We've got some exciting news for you. On June 22, 2023, MongoDB is bringing its world-renowned .local conference to New York City. This is an event you won't want to miss. At MongoDB.local New York City, you'll have the opportunity to learn about the latest updates and tools to build and deploy mission-critical applications at scale. Whether you're a seasoned developer or just getting started with MongoDB, there's something for everyone at this action-packed event. Get ready to experience an announcement-filled keynote. Dive into technical sessions on application development, data modeling, security, and much more. Plus, you'll have the chance to network with like-minded professionals and MongoDB experts. Don't miss this incredible opportunity to boost your MongoDB knowledge and skills. Save the date, June 22, 2023, in the heart of the Big Apple, New York City. For more information and to secure your spot, head on over to mdb.link 2023 or check out the show notes of this episode. Be sure to use the code PODCAST50 for a 50% discount on your tickets. See you there. Hi, everyone. My name is Sahir Azam, and I'm the Chief Product Officer at MongoDB. Welcome to the MongoDB Podcast. I've been with the company for about five years. Coincidentally, I was recruited to lead basically the transition of the business from an open source enterprise software company to becoming a SaaS vendor. And so I came on uh, right before the launch of Atlas. Andrew on the line here certainly has the history of how Atlas came to be even prior to me joining, but uh, it's been a, a heck of a ride. Everyone understands is okay, it's a managed version of MongoDB, and there's a whole bunch of automation, elasticity, and pay as you go pricing, and all of the things that you would expect. How much it's really transformed MongoDB, the company's go to market strategy, it's allowed us to really reach tens of thousands of customers and millions of developers worldwide. And that's a function of the fact that it's just so easy to get started. You can start off on our free tier as you start building your application, scales, just get going on a credit card, and then ultimately engage at a larger level with our organization as you start to get to mission criticality and, and scale. Welcome to the show. My name is Michael Lin, and I'm a developer advocate here at MongoDB. I'm excited to welcome you to this, the first in a series of episodes created to celebrate the five-year anniversary of the launch of MongoDB Atlas, our database-as-a-service platform. In this series, my co-hosts and I will talk with some of the people responsible for building and launching the platform that helped transform MongoDB as a company. Beginning with episode one, the on-ramp to Atlas, we'll talk with Sahir Azam, Chief Product Officer, and Andrew Davidson, Vice President of Product, about the strategic shift from a software company to a software as a service business. In episode two, Zero to Database as a Service, we'll chat with Kayla Nelson, Senior Vice President of Engineering, and Corey Mintz, Vice President of Engineering, about Atlas as a product and how it was built and launched. In episode three, we'll go mobile, talking with Alexander Stiegson, founder of the Realm Mobile Database, which has now become a part of the Atlas platform. In episode four, We'll wrap up the series with a panel discussion and review some of our valued customer comments about the platform. Thanks so much for tuning in. Please take a moment to subscribe for more episodes. And if you enjoy what you hear, please don't forget to provide a comment and a rating. This will help us continue to improve. Stay tuned. I'm joined in the studio today by a couple of guests, and we'll start by introducing 
Sahir Azam, Chief Product Officer at MongoDB. Sahir, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on the podcast. Hey, Mike. Great to be here. And uh, we're also joined by Andrew Davidson. Andrew is Vice President of Cloud Products at MongoDB. Do I have that right? That's right. Good to be here, Mike. How are you doing? Doing great. It's great to have you on the show. And of course, my co-host for the day is Jesse Hall, also known as Code Stacker. Welcome back to the show. Jesse, it's great to have you on. Thanks. I'm fairly new here, so I'm excited to hear about the history of Atlas. So here, I guess, introduce yourself to the audience. Talk a little bit about who you are and what you do. I mentioned uh, earlier, I run the product organization at Mongo. And as part of my core focus, I think about the products we build, the roadmaps of those products and how they serve customers and ultimately help us grow our business. And uh, I've been with the company for about five years. Coincidentally, I was recruited to lead basically the transition of the business from an open source enterprise software company to becoming a SaaS vendor. And so I came on uh, right before the launch of Atlas. Andrew on the line here certainly has the history of how Atlas came to be even prior to me joining, but uh, it's been a, a heck of a ride. Fantastic. Well, Andrew, that brings us to you. Why don't you let folks know who you are and what you do? Sure. Yeah. Similar to Sahir, I focus on product management, but uh, really more specifically focused on our cloud product suite. And if you think about it, that was something that five years ago when we first launched Atlas was just an early kernel, a little bit of a startup inside of our broader company. And so before that time, I was very focused on our traditional, more private cloud management experience for MongoDB. And it's really just been this amazing journey to really transform this company with Sahir and so many others into being a cloud company. So we're really excited to be here on this milestone today. And Jesse, maybe talk about your experience with MongoDB and, and cloud in general. Yeah, so I, I've used it uh, several times in some tutorials that I've created on the Atlas portion of it, going through the onboarding experience and learning how it actually works, how the command line and all of that was amazing to understand it from that perspective as well. So yeah, I'm excited to, to see how you took it from that to the cloud. Yeah, me too. And if you think about the journey, MongoDB was a successful open source product. Andrew, you've been here the longest, over eight years. Talk about the challenges of transitioning from a software product to an online database as a service. When you think back to where we were, say, eight, eight and a half years ago, to your point, we had this kind of almost new category of data experience for developers that gave them this natural way to interface with data in a way that was totally reflective of the way they wanted to think about their data, the objects in their code. And we came in and revolutionized the world with this way of interfacing with data. And that's what led to MongoDB just exploding in popularity. It was just mind boggling to see millions of people every month experiencing MongoDB for the first time as pure open source software on their laptops. But as we moved forward over the years, we realized that we could be this phenomenal database that gave de developers exactly the way they want to interface with data, we could be incredibly scalable. We could you know, go up to any level of scale with vertical and horizontal kind of linear cost economics, really built for cloud. We could do all of that. But if our customers continued to have to self-manage all of this software at scale, we realized, frankly, we might get left behind. That in the end, we might get beaten by databases that weren't as good, but that were going to be delivered in a higher level of abstraction, fully managed service. So we went all in as a company, recognizing we need to make this just so easy for people to get started and to go up to any level of scale. And that's really what Atlas was about. It was all about democratizing this incredible database, which had already democratized a new data model, but making it accessible for production, 
use cases in the cloud anywhere in the world. Uh, and I think when you see what's happened today with just millions of people who've now used Atlas, the same magnitude of number who traditionally had used our uh, self-managed software, it's just amazing to see how far we've come. Yeah. Yeah. It's been quite a ride and it is interesting timing. So here, so you joined right around the same time. I, I think it was, I think a couple of months prior to the launch of, of Atlas. Tell us right. about like your role early on. Yeah, I think what attracted me to MongoDB in the first place, certainly the team. I knew there was a strong team here and I absolutely knew of the sort of popularity and you know, just disruption that the open source technology and database had created in the market, just as somebody being in IT and technology, and certainly it'd be hard to miss. So I had a very kind of positive impression overall of the business. But the thing that really did it for me was the fact that the company was embarking on this strategic expansion to become a SaaS company and deliver this database as a service with Atlas. Because I had certainly built in my own mind sort of conviction that for open source companies, the right, the business model that would ultimately be most successful was distributing tech their technology as a managed service so that it can get the reach of global audiences and really democratize that experience as, as Andrew mentioned. So that was the most interesting challenge. When I joined the company, I think the part everyone understands is, okay, it's a managed version of MongoDB and there's a whole bunch of automation, elasticity and pay-as-you-go pricing and all of the things that you would expect in the early days from a managed service. But the more interesting thing that I think is sometimes hidden away is how much it's really transformed MongoDB, the company's go-to-market strategy as well. It's allowed us to really reach tens of thousands of customers and millions of developers worldwide. And that's a function of the fact that it's just so easy to get started. You can you know, start off on our free tier as you start building your application you know, and it scales, just get going on a credit card and then ultimately engage at a larger level with our organization as you start to get to mission criticality and, and scale. That's really hard to do in uh, a traditional sort of enterprise software model. It's easy to do for large customers. It's not easy to do for the broad-based of the mid-market and the SMB and the startups in the ecosystem. And together with the team, we've put a lot of focus into thinking about how do we make sure we widen the funnel as much as possible and get as many developers to try Atlas as the default experience for using MongoDB because we felt, A, it was definitely the best way to use the technology, but also for us as a company, it was the most powerful way for us to scale our overall organization. What are some of the challenges that were particularly difficult when you started to talk to some of these larger name companies? What are some of the things that they were really concerned about early on? Yeah, I'll chime in a little bit, and Andrew, I'm sure you have thoughts on this as well. So when we phased out sort of the strategy for Atlas in the early years, when we first launched, it's funny to think back, we were only on AWS, and I think we were in maybe four or five regions at the time, if I remember correctly. And the first kind of six to 12 months was really optimized for let's call it lower end use cases where you could come in, you didn't necessarily have high end requirements around security or compliance guarantees. And so I think the biggest barrier to entry for larger customers or more mission critical sort of sensitive applications was the fact that we as ourselves had not yet gotten our own third party compliance certifications. There were certain 
enterprise level security capabilities, like bring your own key encryption, things like private networking with, with peering on the cloud providers that we just hadn't built yet on our roadmap. And we wanted to make sure we prioritize correctly. So I think that was the internal factor. The external factor was five years ago, it wasn't so obvious that for the large enterprise that database as a service would be the default way to consume databases in the cloud. Certainly there was some of that traction happening, but if you look at it compared to today, it was still early days. And I laugh because early on, we probably got positively surprised by some early conservative enterprise names. Um, I think like Maybe Thermo Fisher was one of them. We had, I want to say, AstraZeneca, perhaps. A mm -hmm. couple of like really established brand names who were bullish on the cloud, believed in MongoDB as a you know key enabling technology. And in many ways, were those early partners with us in the enterprise segment were to help develop the maturity we needed to scale over time. Yeah, I remember the, these, this kind of wake-up call moment where you realized the pace of being a cloud company is just so much higher than what we had traditionally been before, where it was more of a slow moving enterprise type of sales motion where you'd have a very big POC phase and a bunch of kind of setup time and months of delivery time. That whole model though was changing. And the whole idea of Atlas was to enable our customer to very rapidly in a self-service service manner, build amazing applications. And so you had people coming in the matter of hours, starting to do really cool, amazing stuff. And sometimes we, we weren't even you know, ready for that. We weren't even ready to be responsive enough for them. So we had to develop these new muscles to kind of be on the pulse of what this type of new speed of customer expected. I remember in the, one of our earliest large-scale customers who would just kind of take us to the limits, it was, we, we had, I think actually, funny enough, multiple cricket league fantasy sports apps out of, out of India that were all like just booming in popularity during the India Premier League, you know, this massive cricket competition. And it was just like so crazy how many people were storming into this application, the platform at the same time. And realizing that we had a platform that could actually scale to their needs was amazing. But it was also this constant realization that every new level of scale, every kind of new rung is going to require us to build out new operational chops, new muscles, new maturity. And we're still, it's, it's an endless journey. Customers today are probably a thousand times bigger than what we could accommodate at that time. But I can imagine that customers of five years from now will be a yet another couple of order magnitude larger, orders of magnitude larger, and it's just going to keep challenging us. But now we're in this mindset of expecting that and, and always working to get that next level, which is exciting. I'm sure it hasn't always been a smooth ride. I'm sure there were some hiccups along the way and maybe even around scale. You mentioned we got surprised. Do you want to talk a little bit about maybe some of that massive uptake? Did, did we have trouble offering this product as a service just based on the number of customers that we were able to sign up? I'd say um, by and large, it's been a, a really smooth ride. I think one of the ones, the surprises that kind of I think is worth sharing is we have, I think, just under or close to 80 regions now in Atlas. And the promise of the cloud, at least on paper, is endless scale and availability of resources, whether that be compute or networking or storage. And that's largely true for most customers in major regions where the cloud providers are. But if you're in a region that's not a primary region, or you've got a massive rollout where you need a lot of compute capacity, a lot of network capacity, it's not 
suddenly available for you on demand all the time. There are supply chains and data center resources backing all of this. And our partners do a really great job, obviously staying ahead of that demand, but there are sometimes constraints. And so I think we reached a certain scale inflection point where we were consistently bumping up against the infrastructure cloud providers limits in terms of availability and capacity. And we'd worked with them on making sure our quotas were set properly and that we were you know, treated in a special case. But there were definitely a couple times where we had a, a new application launching for, for a customer and they're it's not like it was a quota we were hitting. There literally was just not, there weren't enough, you know, VMs and underlying physical infrastructure set up and available in those data centers. And so we had some teething pains, like working with our cloud provider friends to make sure that we were always projecting ahead with more and more, I think, of a forward look to them so that we can make sure we're not blocking our customers. And that's one of those funny cloud learnings, I would say. <laughs> I was going to ask the question, why not build our own? Was that ever a consideration though, building our own? So ironically, we actually did run our own infrastructure in the early days for our cloud backup service. So we had spinning disks and, and physical devices, our own colo space. And, and frankly, we just outgrew it. I think there's two factors for us. One, the database is pretty kind of low in the stack, so to speak. And as an operational transactional system, we need to be really close to where the application actually runs. And the power of what the hyperscale cloud providers has built is just immense reach. So now any small company can stand up a local site or you know, a point of presence, so to speak, in any part of the world across those different regions that they have. And so the idea that we would have a single region that we perhaps had the you know, economies of scale in just doesn't make sense. We're very dispersed because of all the different regions we support across the major cloud providers and the need to be close to where the application is. So just given the dynamic of running a database as a service, it is really important that we sit in those public, major public cloud providers right by beside those, uh, those customers. The other, and is really just that we benefit from the innovation that the you know hyperscale cloud providers you know put out in the market themselves right there's higher levels of abstraction we don't want to be sitting there we have limited resources like any company would we rather you know spend the dollars on racking and stacking hardware and managing our own data center footprint and networking stack and all of that or would we rather spend those resources consuming it as a service and then building more value for our customers so the same thing we, we engage with customers and why they choose Atlas is very much true to us as we build our cloud platform. Yeah, if you think about it, MongoDB is really the only company that's giving developers this totally native data model that's so easy to get started with at the prototyping phase that can go up to any level of scale from there, that can read and write across 80 regions, across the big three cloud providers all over the world. And for us to not stay laser focused on that level, on just making developers able to build incredible global applications would just be to pull our focus away from really the most important thing for us, which is to be obsessed with that customer experience uh, rather than the, the, the infrastructure building blocks on the back end, which of course we do optimize and in close partnership with our cloud provider uh, partners to see here's point. So along with all of these challenges to scale over time, there was also other competitors trying to do the same thing. So how does MongoDB continue to have a competitive advantage over these? 
Yeah, I think it's a consistent investment in engineering, R&D, and innovation, right? If you look at the capabilities we've released, the core of the database, surrounding the database and Atlas, the new services that you know integrate and simplify the architecture for applications, some of the newer things we have like search or Realm or what we're doing with analytics with Atlas Data Lake, I'll put our ability to push out more value and capability to customers against any competitor in the world. I think we've got a pretty strong track record there. But at a more kind of macro level, if you went back kind of five years ago to the launch of Atlas, you, most customers and uh, developers had a trade-off to make. You either go with a technology that's very deep on functionality and best of breed, so to speak, in a particular domain, like a MongoDB, and then you have to, that's typically all software. So you tend to have to operate it yourself, learn how to you know, manage and scale and monitor and all those different things. Or you want to choose a managed service experience where you get the ease of use of just getting started and scaling and having all the pay-as-you-go kind of consumption models. But those databases are nowhere close to as capable as the best of breed players. That was the state of the market five years ago. But now, fast forward to 2021 and going forward, customers no longer have to make that trade-off. You have multi-cloud sort of database as a service offerings, analytics as a service offerings, machine learning players that have not only the best of breed capability that's a lot deeper than the first party services that are managed by the cloud providers, but are also delivered in this really amazing scalable you know, consumption-based model. So that trade-off is no longer there. And I think that's a key part of what drives our success is the fact that we have the best capabilities, it's the features and the cost that at the cost that developers and organizations want. We deliver it as a really fluid, elastic managed service. And then guess what? For you know enterprises, especially multi-cloud is an increasingly strategic sort of characteristic they look for in their major providers, especially their data providers. And we're available on all three of the major public clouds with Atlas. That's a very unique proposition. No one else can offer that. And so that's the thing that really drives and is you know, actually you know, powering the acceleration of the Atlas business. Yeah. And so, Andrew, I, I wonder for the folks that are not familiar with Atlas, the architecture, you want to just give an overview of how Atlas works and leverages the multiple cloud providers behind the scenes. Yeah, sure. Look, anyone who's not used MongoDB Atlas, I encourage you to just sign up right away. It's the kind of thing where in just a matter of five minutes, you can deploy a free sandbox cluster and really start building your Hello World experience, your Hello World application on top of MongoDB. The way Atlas really works is essentially we try and make it as simple as possible. You sign up, then you decide which cloud provider and which region in that cloud provider do I want to launch my database cluster into. And you can choose between those 80 regions Sahir mentioned, or you can do more advanced stuff. You can decide to go multi-region. You can decide to go even multi-cloud, all within the same database cluster. And the key thing is that you can decide to start really tiny, even at the free level or at our dedicated cluster starting at $60 a month. Or you can go up to just massive scale sharded clusters that can power millions of concurrent users. And what's really exciting is you can transition those clusters between those states with no downtime at any time. You can start single region and small and scale up or scale to multiple regions or scale to multiple clouds. And each step of the way, you're meeting whatever your latest business objectives are, whatever the needs of your application are. In general, you don't have to completely reinvent the wheel and re-architect your app each step of the way. That's where MongoDB makes it just so easy to start at that prototyping level and then get up to the levels of scale. Now on the back end, Atlas does all of this with, of course, huge amount of sophistication. There's 
dedicated virtual private clouds per customer per region for our dedicated clusters. You can connect into those clusters using VPC peering or private link, offering a variety of secure ways to connect without having to deal with public IP access lists. You can also use those. We have a wide variety of authentication and authorization options, database auditing, like Sahir mentioned, bring your own key encryption, and even client-side field-level encryption, which allows you to encrypt data before it even goes into the database for the subsets of your schema at the highest classification level. So we make it, the whole philosophy here is to democratize making it easy to build applications in a privacy-optimized way to really ultimately make it possible to have millions of end consumers have a better experience and use all this wonderful digital experiences that everyone's building out there. So, so here, we talked about how just the MongoDB software, there was a steady growth, right? But once we went to the cloud with Atlas, you know, the success of that, how did that impact our business? Yeah, I think it's been obviously quite impactful in terms of just driving the acceleration of growth and continued success in MongoDB. We were fortunate five, six years ago when Atlas was being you know, built and launched that our business was quite healthy. We were about a year out from IPO. We had many enterprise customers that were choosing our commercial technology to power their mission critical applications. That continues through today. So the idea of launching Atlas was... Uh, Although certainly strategic and had, we saw where the market was going and we knew this would in many ways be the, the flagship product for the company in the long term, it was done out of sort of an offensive view to getting to market. And so if you look at Atlas's, about 51% of our revenue, it's the fastest growing product in our portfolio. Atlas is no longer just a database. It's a whole data platform where we've collapsed a bunch of other capabilities in the architecture of an application. So it's much simpler for developers. And over time, we expect that that 51% number is only going to continue to be a larger percentage of our business. But it's important to know, making sure that we deliver a powerful open source database to the market, that we you know, have an enterprise version of the software for customers who aren't for applications or customers that aren't yet in the cloud or may never go to the cloud for certain workloads is super critical. This sort of idea of run anywhere. And the reason why is oftentimes the timeline for modernizing an application, let's say you're a large insurance provider or a bank or something, you've got thousands of these applications on legacy databases. There's an intense need to modernize those, to you know, save costs, to unlock developer agility. That timeline of choosing a database, first of all, is a decision that lasts typically seven to 10 years. So it's a, it's a long-term you know, investment decision, but it's not always timed with a cloud migration. So the idea that if you're on-premises, that uh, you can modernize to an amazing database like MongoDB, perhaps run it in Kubernetes, run it in virtual machines in your own data center, but then two years later, if that application needs to move to the cloud, it's just a seamless migration into Atlas on any cloud provider you choose. That's a very unique and powerful, compelling story, for uh, especially for large organizations, because what they don't want is to modernize or rewrite an application twice, you know, once to get the value on premises and then have to think about it again later if the app moves to the cloud. It's one seamless journey. And that hybrid model of moving customers towards Atlas over time is really been, you know, a cohesive strategy. So it's not just Atlas, it's open source and the enterprise version all seamlessly playing in a uniform model. I love that the journey that MongoDB Atlas has been on, it's really become a platform. It's no longer just a database as a service. It's really an indispensable tool that developers can use to increase agility. 
And just looking back at, at the kind of steady drumbeat of additional features that have been added to really transform Atlas into a platform, starting with free tier and increasing the regions and the coverage and adding client-side field-level encryption and just the, the list of features that have been added is pretty incredible. I think I would be remiss if I didn't ask both of you to, to maybe talk a little bit about the future. Obviously, there's things like invisibility of the service and AI and ML. And what are some of the things that you're thinking about, I guess, without tipping your cards too much? Talk about what's interesting to you in the future of cloud computing. I'll take a quick pass. Just, I love the question. And to me, the most important thing for us to be just laser focused on always going forward is to deliver a truly integrated, elegant experience for our end customers that is just differentiated from an essentially a user experience perspective from everything else that's out there. And the platform is such a fundamental part of that being a possibility. It starts with that document data model, which is this superset data model that can express within it everything from key value to essentially relational and object and graph. And then behind making it possible to access all of those different data models through a single developer native interface, but then making it possible to drive different physical workloads on the back end of that. And what, by workloads, I mean so different ways of storing the data and different algorithms used to analyze that data, making it possible to do everything from operational transactional to those search use cases Sahir mentioned, a data lake and mobile synchronization and streaming, et cetera. Making all of that easily accessible through that single elegant interface that is something that requires just constant focus on not adding new knobs, not adding new complex surface area, not adding millions of new permutations, but making it elegant and accessible to do all of these wonderful data models and workload types and expanding out from there. So you'll just see us keep, I think, focusing on that. I'll just give a plug. This is the first in the series that we're calling OnRamp to MongoDB Atlas. We're going to go a little bit deeper into the architecture. We're going to talk with some engineering folks. Then we're going to go into the mobile space and talk with Alexander Stiegson and, and talk a little bit about the Realm story. And then we're going to wrap it up with a panel discussion where we'll actually have some customer comments and, uh, and we'll provide a little bit more detail into what the future might look like in that roundtable discussion with all of the guests. I just want to thank both of you for taking the time to, to chat with us. And I'll give you a space to mention anything else you'd like to talk about before we wrap the episode up. Nothing really to add other than just a thank you. And it's been humbling to think about the fact that this product has grown so fast in five years and it feels like we're just getting started. I would encourage everyone to keep an eye out for our annual user conference next month and some of the exciting announcements we have in Atlas and across the portfolio going forward. Certainly not letting off the gas there. Any final words, Andrew? Yeah, I'll just say MongoDB is very much a big tent community. Over 100,000 people are signing up for Atlas every month and we invest so much in making it easy to absorb, learn, dive into MongoDB University courses, dive into our wonderful documentation, and build amazing things on us. We're here to help, and we look forward to seeing you on the platform. Fantastic. Jesse, any final words? No, I just want to thank both of you for joining us. Uh, it's been great to hear about how it got started and look forward to the next episodes. Thanks, guys. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe and provide a comment and a rating. If you want to learn more about MongoDB Atlas, visit mongodb.com slash atlas today to sign up for your free account to get started right away. Also, be sure to tune in to our biggest user conference of the year. We're streaming live on July 13th and 14th, 2021. Registration is open for mongodb.live. This is a free virtual streaming event that will feature a solid lineup of cutting-edge keynotes, dozens of breakout sessions, live Ask Me Anything panels, 
brain break activities, and so much more. Head on over to mongodb.com live to register and to get updates for what's in store in July. Attention MongoDB enthusiasts, we've got some exciting news for you. On June 22, 2023, MongoDB is bringing its world-renowned .local conference to New York City. This is an event you won't want to miss. At MongoDB.local New York City, you'll have the opportunity to learn about the latest updates and tools to build and deploy mission-critical applications at scale. Whether you're a seasoned developer or just getting started with MongoDB, there's something for everyone at this action-packed event. Get ready to experience an announcement-filled keynote. Dive into technical sessions on application development, data modeling, security, and much more. Plus, you'll have the chance to network with like-minded professionals and MongoDB experts. Don't miss this incredible opportunity to boost your MongoDB knowledge and skills. Save the date, June 22, 2023, in the heart of the Big Apple, New York City. For more information and to secure your spot, head on over to mdb.link slash 2023 or check out the show notes of this episode. Be sure to use the code PODCAST50 for a 50% discount on your tickets. See you there.